This is Misty Jane, and you're listening to Backroom Beauty Talks, a real, raw, and unedited podcast that helps uplift the hair industry one stylist at a time. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Backroom Beauty Talks. Uh, This is season three, which is crazy. I mean, it's not really that crazy. I mean, I get to decide how long the seasons are, but this is like episode 40, guys. I still cannot believe how much love I have gotten on this podcast. This was literally just a small passion project that I um, decided that I wanted to do when I was really lacking connection in 2020, and it is turning into one of my favorite things that I am offering the beauty industry. My goal for this season is to have more vulnerable conversations. I want you to meet people within the beauty industry and learn who they are, not necessarily what they have to offer as far as education. I want you to really get behind the scenes. I want to bring on people who are open books, who are willing to talk about the down and dirty stuff that we go through you know, in our minds when it comes to being a hairstylist, being an educator, being a salon owner, being um, all the things. So I really um, hope that you enjoy the direction that I'm taking with this. I absolutely had to have today's guest on um, my podcast. Missy is So You're a Hairstylist on Instagram, and I met her at Hair Love 2019. And she is the sweetest. I really love the things, the content that she puts out on Instagram. It is ridiculously helpful. If you have never taken um, anything, any classes or anything by Missy, I highly, highly recommend it. She talks about social media and retail in a way that isn't um, scary or overwhelming or it's very real. It's very um, stylist behind the chair things that you can do to build your business. And I just love that so much. So I really, really hope that you enjoy not only this episode, but the new season in general. I've got some great people coming at you. If you like these episodes, please, please, please leave a review. It gets more um, ears on the podcast. It helps um, bring me up a little bit on the search engines on um, all of the podcast platforms. If you really like it, screenshot it. Tag me on Instagram. Tag the guest. Today would be um, so you're a hairstylist and share it with your friends. Um, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Enjoy. Hi, Missy. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? So first of all, thank you so much for coming on Backroom Beauty Talks and having a chat with me. Tell the listeners who you are and what you do. Um, I am a mom. I feel like that always kind of comes first or something, but I'm a, a mom, a wife, all the things. And, um, I'm a salon owner in Jupiter, Florida. We've been open for a year and a half. That could be a whole story all on its own. Um, I've been in the industry for almost 18 years. Um, and I am still behind the chair and then also run sort of an online, um, education, platform through my Instagram. So you're a hairstylist where we talk about basically building your business through um, marketing and just simple business tactics um, just to kind of get you started and on your way. So that's me in a nutshell. How uh, many days do you work behind the chair? Um, uh, right now I'm working four days behind the chair. Um, that has been um that's been sort of an interesting uh, shift because I was working less and then COVID happened 
and I upped it because I needed to be around more. We needed, we couldn't double book and things like that. So now I'm in this really weird space where everything's opening back up. I'm going to need to start traveling again. I revved up my online business and my chair behind the chair. So I'm like, okay, we're currently having a little bit of a crisis with that, but yes, four days right now. So basically you have to like scale back down. I do. And we all know, I mean, there's all those ebbs and flows. That's actually one of my favorite things about this industry is, is that I have been able to, once you kind of harness the power of how to build and scale and then scale back your business, you kind of, it's just, it really is power. Like, you know, like, okay, I can kind of scale it back because this is what fits me well right now. Or like when COVID I needed to rev it up to increase some revenue. And so we were able to do that. Let's talk about that a little bit because you have a family life, you have a salon, you have an online business, you're an educator, you work behind the chair. So how do you go with the ebb and flow of all of those things? Like, do you have like a set plan? Do you like specifically work on one thing, you know, each month? Like, like what, how do you go about kind of organizing your thoughts when really you could go in 10 different directions? I mean, I think I do go in 10 different directions <laughs> a lot of times. And it is like, honestly, I, um, my husband and I got married. We're actually celebrating tomorrow, our 15 year anniversary. And so we've been partners for a really long time. And so he's kind of been through this whole process with me where he can kind of pick up when I am overwhelmed or I'm, I'm very, um, quick to say, like, I'm, I'm feeling it right now, you know? So I'm really honest with everybody around me. Like right now I am a little bit in that my mind is 10 places. Um, but in a normal week or setting, I have, um, Monday and Wednesday are my office days basically where that's where I try to really batch my time really strategically. Cause I don't have a ton of it. Um, that's when I do my webinars for my coaching or I have calls like this. We're having this call on a Wednesday. Um, and then Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday are salon days. And I really try hard to be salon owner and, and stylist those days. Like I, I need to, it's, I'm pretty much on my laptop in the back room all day, actually, while clients are processing. So I would be lying if I said I wasn't doing two things at once half the time, but, um, I'll be honest that that's not something that's sustainable for a long time. I was getting um, ready I, to ask you that. I was like, do you feel like you're going to go into burnout or have went into burnout? I wouldn't say burnout. I think sometimes it's overwhelm. And at this point, again, it's that kind of like when you've been in or at something long enough, like the education isn't something I've been at for a super long time, but in the industry as a whole, I I'm self-aware enough to know that I have kind of marathon times and sprint times. And right now, because the world is opening back up, I'm definitely in a sprint and I know that's not something I can sustain. And so I kind of try to put like end dates, like, okay, I know that I'm kind of burning the candle at both ends. I'm going to have to be honest with everybody around me to show me a little bit of grace. I'm going to have to apologize a little bit more because I'm probably going to be, you know, a little bit too quick with my kids or harsh. And then I know that because I'm feeling this way, I'm going to have to put some steps in action to kind of um, bring myself kind of back to center. Yeah. I call it hustle season. Yeah. Sprint hustle. That's what I'm like sprint marathon. It's, I mean, I think we have to be honest that anytime you are an entrepreneur, you're going after a goal, those seasons happen. I don't, I don't want to make a blanket statement for everybody that they're required, but I know few people that have not had to experience them. 
Um, and so I, I think being honest about that is, is important. Like I, I am doing a lot of things right now and, and very split. Right. So when did you decide to get into education? I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't. It was so I had, um, my husband had opened an insurance agency. Our youngest was, um, I think in kindergarten or K4, it was right around the time we found out that she had a learning disability. And I was in a sprint season where I had revved up my business in South Florida behind the chair. And I knew that I couldn't serve all of those areas the way I needed to with the way I was working. So I had dumbed my schedule down. I was only doing hair two days a week. So I had a lot of free time to think um, and just watch. And I was just watching some certain patterns that were happening in the industry, specifically in South Florida and started a blog just because I had things to say. And then the blog turned into education and now it's turned I don't even know what, it literally continues to have a life of its own but that's, yeah. that's when it started. It's so funny. I started this podcast for connection, right? Like yeah. I was like, I have things I want to say. Well, this, this is even great. So I was like, I have a lot to say that I can't yeah. just put in an Instagram post. I'm going to start a podcast. And then I sat down and I started doing them by myself and my so much to say, I would say in four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, it was like, you know what? I'm going to start talking to people. And then it turned into um, people wanting to hire me. For coaching, I which yep. I wanted to do anyway. That was like the goal, but I found it very interesting that when people got to know me in one way, they wanted to hire me in a different way. Did you, do you feel like that's kind of what happened with you? Yeah. And I think that's literally like a classic kind of a classic marketing cycle 101. I mean, it's not what I necessarily set out to do with a blog. I know you were like, okay, I'm going to start this podcast and kind of see where it goes. But the, the start of anything is awareness. And so once you start putting yourself out there in that capacity, if that becomes aligned and people start to actually see you as an expert, or they're aware of you and start seeing that you have these thought processes, then that can lead kind of the way, which is why I love those modalities of like a blog where even some people can micro blog on Instagram or you with your podcast where it's like, if you have things to say or a thought process, or you have something to offer, like start intentionally making that part of your messaging. Did you feel like an expert at the beginning? Um, yes, I did not feel like an expert in terms of, it was definitely vulnerable to put yourself out there to the industry as an expert. But at that point in time, I had been doing hair for 15 years. Right. So the things that I was speaking on, they weren't new thoughts, concepts, like they actually were things that I had proof of because I had done it and grown several people in that way. So I did kind of have a, a little bit of that thought process, like, no, I, I do kind of know what I'm talking about here. I don't know what I'm doing online, but I have things to say and I don't know where this is going to go, but yeah, I did definitely stay where I knew I did have expertise in. And that's the business side of hair. That's always been what it is. Like I love the artistry of hair, but that's not um, anything that I'm a strong suit to teaching towards. It was always the strategy and the thought process behind how to run your business. More of the customer service. Yep. Communication. Side. Yes. All of that, like communication, it's in any kind of like personality test or te like zone of genius testing. It's always that 
I'm a like logistical thinker and a communicator. So that's essentially, you can basically boil down anything I ever talk about to being that, like the art of communication and strategy. Do you know your human design? I do. I'm a projector. Oh, okay. Yes. I was going to say I'm a manifester. I was, we're informers as a manifester and I was going to guess you were a manifester. Nope. I am, I am obsessed with all of those tests, like Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, like Matt, I love to understand all of them. They're um, fascinating. So fascinating. Yeah. So fascinating. Okay. So I remember, so I met you for the first time at Hair Love 2019 and you had not opened the salon yet? No. Were you in the works or not? No, no. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. And that was for, for reference here, that was May and I signed my lease in August. So I, well, how'd that happen? I, well, I'm dramatic and I got to a point where, so at that point, by the time August hit, I think the blog had, I think I had only been blogging for a year at that point. Like it all just happened really fast. And I got to the point where at that point, like at Hair Love 2019, I came out as like a, I'm using air quotes, nobody can see me, but like a hair love leader where you're in this, you know, leadership role. So you are like um, the idea that you're kind of leading people and guiding them. And, and so as I stayed in the salon environment that I was in, who they're still dear friends, but we just run our businesses a little bit differently. And I was just like I either have to go full-time education or I have to do this on my own because there are some discrepancies in what I'm teaching and what's being done. And I can't, I couldn't, like it was starting to really weigh heavily on me. Um, and so of course I go back to my husband and I'm like, I either have to quit hair or I have to open a salon. And he's like, so that, that's great. Um, yeah. that's, that's good. Actually, I, I wanted to, I was like, I'm just going to educate, like, I don't know, whatever. And, um, it was him and my father-in-law, my mother-in-law that were like, no, you need to open a salon. Like they all were way more for it than I was. Um, I think just because I knew that it was me, it was going to be me stepping into a role where I was going to be less available. And they were all like, nope, we've got you. Like, I just wanted to make sure everybody was down for that. Do you feel like you're glad that they did that? Like, do, like, of course now you have the salon. I don't, I doubt you're going to say, no, I wish I never would have opened it. But like, do you feel like you're glad you listened to them? Or is there a little part of you that was like, what if I would have just jumped to education only? No, I actually have zero of that. To be honest, I think for my journey, um, how I teach and what I teach on, a lot of what I do is um, proof of concept through me or through um, somebody else in a very close setting. And so I don't think I would have, I wouldn't have written the retail curriculum that I have if I hadn't had my own, like there's a lot of things that have developed from me having my own space like that, um, that wouldn't have. And of course it could have gone a totally different way. And I would have maybe loved that, but I think that um, I can definitely see where my journey was intended for me to be in that ownership role. You um, needed the experience. To... I think it's the experience and just knowing I'm in a unique situation where I've been in the industry as long as I have, and I've been independent as long as I have, and I still care about the little guy. Like that's not always, and that's, 
not everybody's um, journey and they don't need to be like, that's why I'm like, don't bring on an assistant unless you really want to mentor someone. Um, and that's okay. Like if that's not what you want to do, like we've got families, kids, you, you might want to have a social life. I'm not good at having a social life. I don't, <laughs> you know? So, um, but for me, I think it was what I was, I was meant to do. Like I'd had some unique experiences that have landed me here. Well, it's about creating what, what you want and what works for your life. Right. Like, yeah. I remember feeling like I needed to have, like, I needed to double book. I needed to have an assistant. Like that was just what you're supposed yep. to do. And I hated it. I hated it. And I finally, I think it was at hair love. Somebody said like, you find what works for you and you don't have to listen to everyone else. And, and I remember coming back and being like, I'm not double booking ever again. And I never yeah. did. And even now, like I stopped working behind the chair in September. I'm going back one day a week next month. Because oh, I, I want yeah. to, yeah. because I miss my clients, because yeah. I miss touching hair. But you can decide how you want to do it, right? Like I'm going one day a week. I'm that's it. Like working these hours. This is how much I am. If it doesn't work for you, you can't. You know. Oh well. Yeah. Like, and 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 you don't. It doesn't have to be this like set plan, right? Like you can, you can be a salon owner and an educator, and or not. Or you can just work behind the chair if that's what makes you happy. Like. Somebody asked me recently, and I'd love for you to elaborate on this, how to excel in the hair world if you don't want to become an educator. Oh, gosh. I mean, I love that question because to be honest, that is, I don't want to say the easier route, but that is the route that is so like sure-footed, like excel and be really good at what you want to do and then you create demand and then that demand allows you to increase your pricing and then that pricing allows you to increase your bottom line and then that allows you to increase more demand which allows you to create this freedom of lifestyle I mean um that and I don't want to say that's I want to figure out how to say this right because in my mind that seems like the more steadfast pace like that is way more sustainable, a way um, more straight line than going the education route. I mean, I, I am fully like transparent when I say I'm 100% still behind the chair for money. Like right. my um, online education, like I can't expect something that I started two years ago to be meeting something that I started almost 18 years ago. Yes. Thank and you for saying so that. <laughs> I have expertise and proof of concept and clientele and things like that, that, um, that is a very big part of why I'm still behind the chair. That is, I mean, I literally will come home and I'm like, Oh, I wish, I wish it wasn't like that because it, it makes it really hard to ever think of leaving. Like it's, it's just such a, that's such a steady income for me. Well, as somebody who, who did that and I walked away with no, like I, I mean, I did a dabbled in education, but like, I didn't have an income in education at all. When I walked away, like at all, it's fucking terrifying. Yeah. The first six months was me just going, you can do this, Misty. Yeah. You can do this. And now I'm going on 10 months. I'm still making nowhere near yeah. <laughs> my 17 year career money. Not even, uh, not even touching it. I think I paid myself for the first time the last two months and it wasn't much. So if anyone's listening to this and they think, well, education just seems easier, it's fucking not at all. It's completely different. You don't just post online and then people just come running and want to buy your shit. Trust me. <laughs> like, 
it's not well and that's why I'm like I don't want to dumb it down and I don't want but that question of like how do you make it or like excel in your career without becoming an educator like you literally excel in your career like that's what you do you stay the course because that is a much first of all online education is a much newer just concept that's new we forget that this way of learning has not been around forever. Hair has been around for a lot longer. So we just have a lot more proof of concept on how to make it, how to multiply our income, how to do things um, in that way than we, than we do in other ways. Um, yeah, I think it's important to be transparent about what income as online education looks like starting out. And also um, I had a lot of people reach out to me when COVID hit um, and the word passive income was used a lot <laughs> yes. and other streams of income. And my mom is my bookkeeper. So she does my bottom line. And I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I like nice things when it comes to how I'm going to put out my digital education. I will not skimp. I knew that it was an investment. So I was taking capital from what I made doing hair and putting it into my company. That ticker from what I was investing into the company versus what was coming in did not start switching over until probably about six months ago. Um, so I, I just think that's an important thing for people to think of. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's interesting because... Um, I was in Elizabeth Fay's education foundation. So I knew it wasn't easy. Like I knew it yeah. wasn't going to be an easy road. Um, but I prepared to not make a dollar for a year, you know, and like, but that still is not the easiest mindset to have. Even if you prepare for it, that shit's hard. No. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure. But I agree. Like I see so many people, well, I want to do a course. I want to do this. I want to do that because I know about this. And I'm, I always send them to Elizabeth because I'm like, take this course. Because I too thought it was easy. Like I was like, oh, I have people in my DMs asking me questions. So they'll obviously buy my information from me. And that's just not how it works no. at all. And yeah, I, it's, it's, and it's expensive. Yes. You know, you don't just show up and talk, you know, I mean, Kajabi is expensive. Like um, that's a, for anyone listening, it's like a platform that you can put your courses on and things like that. Um, but yeah, it just, it's a lot more, I think, work than people think. I think you really have to want to help people. Yeah. The, I all That's when like, it has to be mission-based first. Yeah. And then you want to be smart. Obviously I, I could have scaled back what I was paying out to run this side of my business, but that was a very calculated thing. Um, right. So maybe I could have started making money sooner, but again, because I am a salon owner and still behind the chair full time, I pay for support on the back end. And that was something that it was like, I, I can't do it any other way. Um, but yeah, it's expensive to do it well. Yeah. Yeah. And there is nothing wrong with wanting to just be a hairstylist. Like I think that because of the Instagram world, people think they have to open a salon. They have to go independent. They have to be an educator, but you don't have to, like, if you, if you're in a happy commission salon and you love it and you like to get, get a paycheck and go home to your family, like there is nothing wrong with that. Nothing. There's nothing wrong. And that's like, well, there's a couple things. There's like the six month check-in. That's something I do with myself. I had to answer. Um, there's like, um, an interview 
like right up and I had to answer the question like work-life balance. And I was like, there, that is not a sustainable concept. I have a six month check-in always with myself where it's like, is this sustainable? Am I in a good place? Like, again, I mentioned my husband had a new company and my daughter had a, a learning disability that we need to focus on. And so that was like, okay, we have to scale back. Like that didn't mean what I was doing before was wrong. It just meant that was no longer in balance in that moment. Um, reprioritizing. Yeah. And so I think it's just, I think it's that constant check-in first of all, second of all, I love the question when you're thinking of like, quote, just being a hairstylist or not being an educator, what does your dream business and life look like? Like if empowering other hairdressers or teaching them to do something or you're not, I had like a burning rage. That was almost my mission. I was like, no, we cannot keep doing this. Um, if that's, if that doesn't exist for you yet, then like your, your dream life is exactly what you're doing behind the chair. And that is, that is a worthy cause to be fulfilling and pursuing your dream life, whatever that looks like. Absolutely. I think again, you know, with social media, people hear growth and blah, blah, blah. And they just think that it has to be what other people perceive. Do you have a hard time with, I feel like you, from an outsider looking into you, to your Instagram, you have a great balance, but is that true? And like, as far as like, like your relationship with social media. Oh, yeah. Because I think that a lot of times, like these conversations we're having right now, you know, it can be comparison, right? Like you're constantly on social. All these people are doing these things. I need to be doing these things. But that, you know, that's something that isn't always true. Like, did you ever have a hard time with that? Do you still have a hard time with that? I think maybe when I first started, I had a hard time because it was not, not a hard time might not be the right word, but it was definitely more, I was more aware of it because it was, um, I don't know, maybe a little bit of that whole speaking to your peers. That's a hard thing. Or if somebody else going to come up with this idea first or, oh, are they going to think I'm copying them or whatever that might be speaking to? But I quickly, like, again, I would say if I, if I have any superpower, it's self-awareness from just things that have happened in my life. And so I, I shut the moment I see those things creeping in, like I shut it down real quick. And so I actually don't consume a lot of social media at all. Um, even though it's literally my job, like I have a membership teaching you how to social media yourself, but that's to market yourself. I don't consume it. Um, and the moment that I start to feel feelings coming up, um, I put situations in timeouts. So, um, whether that be a particular person or situation or whatever, like I no longer consume that. Um, because it's just not something that I need to spend my time doing. I really don't consume a lot of social media. Yeah, I have an issue with social media. I go through phases, but I realize, like, especially now that I'm home a lot more, I pick it up so much. I pick up my phone so much more yeah. than I should. Yeah. And I get in the same kind of like where it's like I consume more than I create. And then I, I know it's a problem, but it's like that, that addictive yeah. habit. But I started unfollowing people that I really liked. Because like I started, when I first started this journey, I started following all these money coaches. Cause I was like, oh my mm -hmm. God, this is a thing. I didn't know this was a thing. This is great. Mm -hmm. Like, but then I started reading their posts and going, well, they just said it now. I can't say it. Mm -hmm. And, and it was like this, like, 
okay, well, they're like you said, they're going to think I'm copying or they're, you know, and then it's like, you know what? I'm just not going to look at them. I'm going to not follow them. And then I'm just going to say what I need to say, yep. you know? And, uh, it's a, social media is fucking hard. It is hard. I think for me, um, I'm pretty black and white when it comes to how to deal with certain situations. So again, like the way that I even teach to social media and things is it's, it is a tool. It is um, a piece of equipment that we have access to for free to market our businesses in a way that didn't exist before. Again, you and I having been doing hair as long as we have, we know how it was before that. So maybe that's perspective that doesn't exist, you know, for some of the newer generation. Um, But especially when it comes to your hair account, like a a hairstylist account, if we're speaking to the masses, that is meant for marketing and it is meant for a tool. Um, And so time being spent it helps to be strategic, to be talking to your clients on there, to be interacting with them and what's going on with their lives, be responding to your comments. If you need to scroll mindlessly, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I think in one of my master classes, I don't scroll on Instagram anymore. I literally scroll on TikTok. That is where I get my, like my brain blinks out. I'm on TikTok. I have no intentions of starting up a TikTok at this point, even though you would think someone that teaches the social media, that's the new hit thing. I have reasons for that. And then that's where I go. There's no comparison. I don't even know how the app works in and out. Um, and that's how I keep myself sane. So yeah, strategies like that. I deleted my TikTok (laughs) and then they put reels on Instagram. So now I will just sit and laugh. They're just so funny to me. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, again, as an outsider looking at your social media, it's like you do a very good job, like, because you give a little bit of yourself, like we know you love coffee. We know Mm -hmm. you love llamas. Like, we know, like, (laughs) um, you know, we, we, you give so much information, but you can tell you keep a good balance. Um, but I think it's difficult for some people. What would you tell the, I would say the person that can't stop scrolling, what would you tell me? Like the number one thing that you could do? Like, cause I mean, yes, put the phone down. Right. But like, like for me, I have to go for a walk or I have to like do something because if not, it just is, it's literally like, like I can feel the heat coming off of it. Do you have your notifications turned on? No. Okay. That's my biggest, like, turn your notifications off. Don't do it. Um, yeah, that, that would, that would be, no, I could not do that would drive. I would pick it up even more probably. Yeah. (laughs) I love, I don't know. I think honestly, it's like my brain is too, you might start to feel differently when you're back one day behind the chair. Like the fact that you have the mental capacity to add that in is my, so my brother is in recovery. And so he, like, I'm like, I think I'm self-aware. He's like 500 times more self-aware than me. And one of his um, psychologists once said, like, if you're, if you are um, able to be anxious or able to hyper-focus on something, your life isn't full enough. And so for me, that that tendency to want to pick up and like that knee jerk reaction to scroll is typically when I'm either avoiding something or my day just isn't as busy as I'm used to it being. And so I I just don't know what to do with myself. Um, And so I'm wondering if for you, you'll see a little bit of a transition once you add that kind of space back into your life. Yeah, I think so. Well, it's a procrastination tool. Yeah, totally. And to be honest, it's also a 
we let, like I said, I'm still going on TikTok and like blanking out. So it's not like I'm never scrolling and my mind likes to be doing lots of things at the same time. So because I don't scroll on Instagram and because you can't scroll on TikTok without sound, if I'm watching TV and I want to scroll something, I'm playing Candy Crush. Like I'm not void of having to do two things at once. I've just come up with ways where I can make it fit into where I know I need to be to stay healthy, to be able to teach this and show up the way I need to. Now, have you always done that though? Or did you find yourself in an unhealthy social media space at one point? I think... I have not always done that. I definitely, before I started, so you're a hairstylist, social media was unhealthy because it was full of comparison. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't aware of the way it actually worked. So it's that like ignorance is bliss, but it wasn't bliss. I just thought everybody was better than me. And that's why they were getting reposted or everybody does this. And that's why they're getting this. And so part of my like lot in life has been to dissect why and how and the kind of lift the veil off of all of this. And that's why I always talk, I'm like, I am not teaching to like repost and growth and that category. Like if that's what you want, like there's plenty of other people that can talk to you about that. But this is very much like the way that I've been able to keep it like this is to think of it as a tool. Well, you teach social media for stylists to grow their business behind the chair, correct? Yes. You don't teach to get more followers. No. To work with brands things like, like you're, you're not teaching people to be influencers. No. Right. Right. Well, and I won't, I couldn't, like, I just became an influencer two years ago. I don't know. This is all new to me. I'm figuring it all out. And to be honest, I didn't even mean to become an influencer. Right. That was not what I was trying to do. Like that was, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I can't teach on those things. Cause this is like literally all new to me, it was but an accident. I will say my eyes have been enlightened. And so it's really cool to be able to speak to like, no, you know, a lot of these media pages, we've had some really honest conversations with, you know, people in my programs about these media pages have contracts with brands and the people that work with those brands are getting reposted because that can act as a fulfillment for the, it's, it's bigger than us just thinking that somebody in, in the, you know, heavens of the internet is looking down and deciding that our work is good enough and then pick plucking it out of the sky like that. Right. Well, it's business. It is, but a lot of us don't, because it feels personal to us when it's a picture of hair that we do, it feels personal. Right. And that's why I'm like, we've got to put it in, in the zone where it should live. Well, if you think about it, Instagram is the first place where the line of like advertising your business and personal things kind of co like coexist. Cause like, yeah. We grew up with television, right? You are very aware that a commercial is selling you something and then you're watching a TV show, you know? And it's like, now you're kind of mixing it all together. And it's like those TV shows where somebody's holding the Pepsi can where you see it say Pepsi, you know, it's like a completely different world now. It is. And I think honestly, in the hair world, I've noticed we're a little bit behind on the, um, transparency behind like when that is or isn't happening and so a lot of times that's a little bit of why stylists aren't even aware that that's what's going on um because I I think we all just think uh, I don't even know but that whole rat race of like being noticed for the hair that I did and feeling not good enough even though I was fully booked and making great money behind the chair like that I had to sort through on my own several years ago and so I teach to the complete opposite of that 
And I've used that experience to help others because now I can spot it like in an instant, like this is, we gotta, we gotta fix this. Right. Well, I think 2020, you know, I mean, us hairstylists, we like validation, right? Like Mm -hmm. somebody walks in the door, we make them pretty, they validate us, they love it. They give us money, they walk away. And I think when 2020 happened and we kind of got all that taken away from us, we went to our phones for validation. Yeah. And I think that I know for me, that's still part of my problem. Cause I'm like, I like people. I like connection. I want to pick up my phone and DM with somebody. Like, I know that that's the issue. Yes. And I, I think that hopefully now that everyone's kind of getting back to normal, that a little bit of that goes away because we're our, we were already all depressed at home. And then the, you know, Instagram doesn't help. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, it does. And I mean, breaks are fine. And I think just put it, putting it in the place where it needs to live. And, and that's a different place for everybody. Some people are less affected. I know, I know that most hairstylists that I speak to do struggle with it. So if you're feeling like that, you are not alone. Um, and so I just kind of try to speak truth to the like, well, I think this, or I feel this. And so then we have to just like speak truth into that, like dissect it all the way back. And at least that's how I cope with things is, is kind of like talking myself off the ledge. Like, okay, well really though, tell me why, tell me why you think that is. Tell me why you think a bajillion people are going to judge you for putting this post out there. Tell me why you think 500 people are going to see that one fly away and think that you're a crappy hairdresser. Tell me why you think your business isn't good enough because this media company hasn't noticed it. Like to talk through that. And and that's kind of how I talk off a ledge. Right. Kind of reverse engineer or not even reverse engineer, but more just like you said, Mm self-awareness, you know? Yeah. That's, it's funny because, um, having these conversations with people on the podcast, it's like, a lot of times it's talking out things, life things in general, like, you know, because it's like, I'm a very self-aware person as well. I know most of my flaws for the most part. And I don't like all of them, but they're there. And, you know, but it's good to like really reflect and know why you're doing the things that you're doing and then try and figure out and cope with, you know, changing that shit up. Yeah, (laughs) totally. So, um, how is your, so is this a membership thing? How do you do your, or do you do one-on-one coaching? What is your, um, education look like? I mean, it looks like different things all the time. I don't, but yes, I do have a membership that's actually been around for a year, which again, it just kind of makes me laugh. Cause I never thought I was going to be teaching media or social media or anything like that. Like that was just something that that was not like what I was here to do. And then that was like literally the only thing I was getting asked about. Um, Cause I think people had like watched what was happening with, so you're a hairstylist. And so I was like, oh, okay, fine. I'll teach you like whatever. <laughs> um, and so then it turned into, so yeah, there's a membership. It's been around um, for 12 months now. And then, yeah, I do one-on-one coaching. Um, and yeah, that's what it looks like right now. And then what's, I have, like, a couple of what's your favorite? Um, I like all of it. I love like a balance. The ma- the membership has been really fun. It was really stressful at first because there were a lot of moving parts and I started it when the salon was like, well, we were shut down. I came up with the idea and then I literally launched it because that's how I work. And so it was June of last year. We'd just gone back to work in May and it was slower capacity, you know, all those things. And then when life started to sort of kick in again, and I'm like, I have to literally like, I'm 
write new curriculum every month and manage it like that was overwhelming but now it's one of my favorite things that I do because well, it starts streamlining fun. right the, yeah you know, yeah good yeah yeah um so you work a lot with Elizabeth yes will I be seeing you at hair love I will be there are you excited to there. travel <laughs> Listen, I was just in Utah for the digital um oh, yeah, yeah. live and oh, like, yeah. I that time change from like the freaking 2 hours, it took me so long to read. So I was oh my gosh, I'm like is this because I haven't traveled in a year and a half like across the country or is this because I'm almost 36? I'm not exactly sure which one of those is the correct answer at this point, but all I know is it was an adjustment. I remember um, coming back from the 2019 Hair Love and it took me over a week to adjust and which was very confusing because it's only two hours. I know. Like it doesn't seem like it would be that long. <laughs> I was not right. Like I don't, and part of it was again, not something that I recommend, but I worked up in like the day before I flew out, flew back, had to go back to work the very next day. And so I was like, oh, I can't do this. Um, so yes, I will be there. Um, my friends call me Adventure Barbie because I'm so not outdoorsy. So um, this is completely outside of the box for me. Anytime I'm doing pretty much anything ever that I do with Hair Love is outside of the box. It's like just literally. But you've uh, seen the venue. Have you seen the venue? Under Canvas? Yes. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like that doesn't count as outdoorsy. I mean, kind of, but. <laughs> I mean, I definitely think it does. It's like glampy though. Yeah. I'm very <laughs> excited, but also I'm just, all, I'm going to be super honest. I'm not, I'm just like, listen, last year, I like when we went 2019, I was like, what do we wear? What do we pack? I don't know what to do. Like, so it's, I'm like any, anything you need to worry about to like answer questions for people, just ask, like, I'll tell you what is going through my head. And then you'll have like all the FAQs you need. Right. I'm excited. I'm excited to, um, see people in person. Yes. You know, yeah. it's going to be a lot, like just energy of everybody together. And it's, it's interesting for me too to, I was like, wow, you know, it's deep when I'm craving like connection because I am like the world's biggest introvert, which nobody ever believes, but it's true. I love to be alone. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's going to be a really, um, I think it's going to be really good. And I think it's going to be really powerful just for everybody to kind of be back together. Yeah, I agree. I'm an introverted extrovert myself. Like I love people, but I need alone time. So like things like that, as much as I love them, it's like, I won't going to want to be alone for like four days after I get home. Like nobody, I don't want to have conversation. Like, oh, yeah. I had enough conversation. <laughs> oh yeah. And yeah, no, I am the same way. Um, with that, it, it will probably be a little bit longer than four days for me. We'll see. But it's, that's always such an, and I'm such like a unique, my, like, I'm like, why am I like this? Why am I so, um, outgoing in the sense that if you met me, you would never know, but I, I can kind of read the room and figure out what energy I need to put out there. And then I just have to go home and die later. Yeah. I'm the same. Are you an only child? No, I'm oh. the middle of three. Okay. I was just curious because I feel like as an only child, you know, the alone time was, I had a lot of it. So yeah. it's like an important thing for me, but like, I also like people, you know, so it's like a weird 
Yeah, it's a weird. I joke that it's because I had to share a room with my sister until oh. I was in high school. And <laughs> you like, need that alone time. Like nobody come in here. This is my room is like my sacred space. Right. Yeah. So, so Missy, you talk a lot about social media. You also talk a lot about retail and you've actually helped me a ton, whether you know it or not, Don't when I that. was behind the chair because I hated selling. Like in yeah. my mind, selling, you know, like, you, like you need to buy this thing. Um, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, wait, I just talk about it. And I just like, like, I remember one client, she needed a clarifying shampoo. And I just said, you need to take this home and you need to use it. And that was it. And she was like, okay. And it was like, yeah. not sleazy. <laughs> it was like, I think I really do. Like, I've thought so much about this. And I think, you know, again, when you and I started, all we had was the information that was put in front of us. Like there wasn't this online education, there wasn't that. And every bit of education surrounding retail was very much numbers and target, you know, projected numbers and milestones. And it was just this very calculated robotic experience that had nothing. It was never talked about like, at least me, I'm sure it existed. It was never, I was never something that I consumed about it being, um, serving your guest well or about it being part of the guest experience it was always talking about like increasing your bottom line which that's really cool we love to make more money and also like increasing the salon's bottom line which that's really cool they love to make more money but it was never placed in this way that I could mentally grasp and so I'm very much like if I don't get it I just don't do it um yeah so I'm that's really cool to hear though that that helped because um it's it's helped me a ton. It's been, it's been very cool to have my own space and like our retail shelves to be literally empty all the time. That's actually a big pain in the butt where I'm like, dude, can you all let me know what you're using at home right now that you're going to tell your guests about? So I know to stock up on it because I literally cannot get our inventory right ever. Right. Um, <laughs> we are always selling out of everything. And that's not, and like, oh my God, we're always like, it's just because the girls also, they sell retail well. And so um, it's, it's been really cool to see. How are you feeling about the e-commerce shift? I don't really have, I don't have bad feelings towards it. I personally, again, there's a bajillion different ways to, to run your business and do whatever. I think that when you have a guest inside your space, it is very powerful to be able to have that immediate gratification. Like we talk about us living in the Amazon age of us wanting things that are going to show up tomorrow. Like it's even better. Like you're in marketing, it's like only give like one button click, right? Like you don't want them to have to leave to go to five different things to click because you might lose them. Our brains squirrel. Right. And so for me, having still that in salon retail option, if it is an option for you, I still think is a, is a very powerful tool. I think the, you know, perfect marriage is when you have the capacity within your business and your resources to be able to offer both. Um, well, right. So they can walk out of the salon with quote unquote, a gift that they purchased themselves. Yes. <laughs> and if they're at home and they need shampoo, 
they can order it online real quick if they need to. Yes. Or yeah. if you have just sort of like, maybe you only want to carry one line in the salon, you know, like you're in a suite and you don't have a ton of space or whatever, but you also do really like other products that you have on back bar. Um, that's, you know, there's tons of options. I can only speak to what I know works for me, which is, um, I carry, I only carry and we only use what we carry. Um, and I'm very strategic about not carrying everything so that we use it all. And so we sell it all. Right. Um, Cause in order to sell it, I think you have to be able to use it on them. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, I like to walk out with something. If somebody says, well, you can go order it online. I like forget. And then, you know, yeah, I forget. And I don't know for me again, like if you have text capability and email capability and you're really on it, like I get, I know that the affiliate work marketing works and stylists are seeing great results with that. But um, I just know me personally as a consumer, I'm a I squirrel brain. So if you have it there, I'll buy it. If you tell me what it is or send me a link, I might click on it right then, or I might forget, but then I might think of the name and go to Amazon. You know, there's all these different. So again, no right or wrong. You have to do what works for your business. But in terms of e-commerce kind of eradicating in-salon retail, I, I personally think the in-salon retail should should remain a priority. I don't think it'll go away. I think it may go away in suites and things like that. But like, I mean, even you look at like a Target versus like a boutique store, like I still very much enjoy a boutique store, you know, it's just yep. a different experience. Um, so I don't think it'll fully go, at least not in our lifetime. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. And I don't, unless I started to see something shift and drop, um, I would maybe feel differently, but our retail numbers have stayed the same or gone up. So even with the consumer getting more used to um, shopping digitally and online and everything through 2020, um, retail is definitely still something that was active in our salon. So I haven't seen any personal real numbers to validate that it's going anywhere. Right. Do you um, help your coaching clients with retail as well? You do both? So I don't have anybody that I'm necessarily coaching through retail. We talk a lot about how it, how important it is to talk about it on your social. That's something I believe like huge, that like, that's a huge seller for us is like talking about something online. And then, you know, I joke all the time that I'm like, I can tell the same guest, the same thing 500 times to her face. And then she sees a stupid post about the shampoo and then she wants it. I'm like, dude, I use, like, I followed the rules. I followed my own format. And then you see this post and that's why it's there because people learn differently. Some people learn auditory. Some people learn by touch. Some people learn by like seeing and reading. And so, um, I think, so we talked through that, like social media, but yeah, no, I have um, a course that kind of, I haven't, um, I haven't resold it separately. It's something that comes along with um, a membership to the workshop in a box with Elizabeth Fay. We've partnered with that. And then that curriculum is also something that I teach proprietary to Alpha Parf now. Awesome. Um, which is very cool. Yeah. So you work for Alpha Parf as well? Yes. I am a brand ambassador for them. Awesome. So I write blog posts once a month for them, all kind of focused around business and retail, and then have taught my retail education. Hopefully, hopefully now with the world like opening back up, we'll be able to um, maybe even have some more events and things with them. But yeah, that partnership was made official 
in January. So awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So where are you going to be this year? Oh, that is such a good question. Um, I will be at Hair Love Retreat and then I will be at Premier um, in Orlando in August or no, that's happening in October. And then I'm sure I will be at ISSC in January. Um, and beyond that, I really don't know which <laughs> that feels like that's very far. I'm like, that's six months this is good. God, you um, say that, but we're already in June. I can't even believe it. I know. I know. So yeah, that's what, that's what's happening this year. I mean, but even just that, like on, on top of like family trips and like extra extracurriculars for the kids. I'm like, I don't exactly know how this is all going to work, but we're going to figure it out. Figure it out. Exactly. Well, you know, Missy, from this whole conversation, the one thing that I take away is you can do things the way that you want to do them. 100%. Like you, you can create the life that you want to create and it doesn't have to be what you see on social media. <laughs> and, it doesn't mean, and it doesn't mean that um, it has to be that way forever. Like deciding to work two days a week because that's what serves you in your life right now. Again, I can speak to this as an independent. I know in your commission, that's a different structure um, potentially. Um, but what I do know within this industry now, I can speak very confidently that there is enough support out there for you to be able to have the career um, that you would like to have and live the life that you would like to have. And then just because that's what it is right now doesn't mean you can't change it in a couple months. And this career can provide that for you. Absolutely. Shit, I know all about that. <laughs> I know. You're well, that's exactly what you're doing. Like you, you know the basics, you know exactly what you need to do to, and that's honestly why you were probably able to step away from behind the chair because you knew that if push came to shove, you could rev it back up right again. And that is such a powerful tool to have in your tool belt. Um, it, yeah, it took, I mean, granted I'm only working one day a week, but it took, um, 24 hours to fill the first month. So exactly. four days, but still yeah. like, that was nice. <laughs> like, yeah. <I> was like, <laughs> but yeah. So Missy, where can everybody find you? I am at, so you're a hairstylist on Instagram and then pretty much everything feeds from there. So yeah. That's where I'm at. It's got a little bow as a profile. So that's how you can know it's me, which is actually a really funny thing because I've always been really into like girly bows and ribbons. Also weird because I don't dress like- I was getting ready to say that actually really surprises me. Yeah. I, actually, I was just talking about this with somebody about how I have probably like the most feminine branding of me or any clients that I represent. And yet I always wear like black and olive green. I haven't figured that out yet. Um, but I have pictures from when I was a, like toddler where I have this giant pink bow on my head. And so I was like, is the OG branding? Like my mom always put big bows on. So is that where it came from? I guess I just, was in, <laughs> I'm, I am into like feminine things. Like I love pink. I would say that's my favorite color. I just don't like to wear that. I think part of that is me trying to not go with the flow in South Florida where everybody wears neon colors all the time. Right. Right. It's probably me just being a rebel. To be yeah. <laughs> Again, do what you want. Yeah, do what I want. I don't have to wear a Lily Pulitzer because I live in South Florida. Dang it. <laughs> Missy, thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with me. Um, I'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. 
As always, thank you so much for listening to Backroom Beauty Talks. If you like what you heard, screenshot it, post it on the gram, leave a review if you feel so inclined. I would appreciate it more than you know. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk with you on the next one.